Okay, can we turn to Lamentations? The book of Lamentations. There in the Old Testament. Now, it was brought to my attention um, a couple of weeks ago when I did uh, minister from the Word of God and uh, you'll remember that I looked at the scripture where God says, I'm a jealous God, my name is jealous. And so, um, in, in, ex- in examining that throughout the scriptures, uh, my intent at the time was just to teach it and demonstrate it as it was throughout the scriptures. But then um, uh, it dawned on me that later, um, you know, it kind of uh, at the end of it, it was heavy and kind of rested upon the congregation in such a way that um, my wife and others made uh, their thoughts known to me. And so, uh, in light of that, I thought it is important because whenever we consider a certain aspect of God's nature or an attribute of his, um, as true as it is, um, it is always, um, for the most part, we find that it's countered by another aspect of his nature. And so, uh, in saying that, we want to look at another attribute of God's nature this morning and um, uh, in the context of what we were considering the other week, but this time... Uh, as it relates to his mercy, the mercy of God. And so God's mercy, uh, he is a God of mercy. He is the Lord of mercies. Uh, Corinthians says that he is the Father of mercies. Amen. And so our God is a merciful God. And as we begin to observe that, see that, experience that, amen, uh, it is an exciting and a wonderful thing for all the attributes of God that uh, we, uh, uh, we, we consider. That of his mercy and his grace, obviously, um, they are distinctly different, but they're tied together. Um, they do teach us and show us something about the love of God and how much he loves us because we are dependent upon the mercy of God. Can you say amen? Uh, if it wasn't for the mercy of God, we would all be zapped in a moment. That's my conclusion. And, so, and, and really, that's what we'll see even the scripture reveals to us uh, for the most part. But you see, when God... <coughs> I'll go back to Exodus because we did look at that as we laid the foundation for jealousy um, the other week. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he said in Exodus chapter 20, verse um, 5... And six, in, uh, in speaking about the fact that you should not make a carved image, in verse four, he says, You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But look at verse six. But, there's a big but in there, amen? But, showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. And so it's it's this but that we want to tap into, amen, because in light of all those aspects of God and that relates to uh, uh, um, uh, his judgments, his wrath, uh, and the Bible talks about the goodness and the severity of God, consider both. 
And so we can't neglect any of these things, but I want to focus on the mercy of God this morning and I want us to be encouraged and refreshed uh, as we see it and understand it in the Scriptures. Because James tells us in his epistle, and this really is a foundation uh, and a fundamental aspect concerning God's mercy, in James chapter 2 verse 13, he triumphantly says that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy wins, it trumps the judgment of God. And so when you think about that, that doesn't mean that God's judgment and wrath doesn't exist, but what it means is, is that God in first and, his, and foremost, uh, he wants to show mercy. He wants to give us his mercy. And mercy will triumph over judgment. And so it's in that, and it's on that principle that we want to proceed with that understanding because his mercy is profound. That mercy is demonstrated throughout the, throughout the whole scriptures. When we talk about mercy triumphing over judgment, how often we, you know, we can highlight the various uh, scriptures, but when you begin to look at the mercy aspect and how it triumphs judge, judgment, you see that uh, right throughout the Bible, even as it relates to uh, Moses and the Exodus and the children of Israel. And yes, God was angry and was, uh, uh, his jealousy was aroused and, he, and so forth, but yet he showed them mercy again and again and again and again. In Exodus 34, verse 6, the Bible says, And the Lord passed before him, that is Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the children's children to the third and fourth generation. But you see, God is trying to emphasise mercy. Mercy to thousands, keeping mercy to thousands, to those that love me, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And so it's that mercy that we want to see and how in Scripture really... Um, that mercy is our hope and is available to us in Christ Jesus. So let's look, and I want to use this as a foundation in Lamentations, chapter 3. And I want to uh, keep it there because we're going to look later at some other scriptures and there's much in here, but I want to focus and I'll make the text verse 22 to verse 24. And this is the prophet Jeremiah and it's called Lamentations because he's lamenting the nation of Israel, his people. But he says in verse 22, he says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not and they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have or I hope in him. Amen. What is that? (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's just noticeable. It's right there in my ear. All right, we'll try and divert ourselves away from that, amen. <laughs> Come back and we're going to look at Jeremiah's words. Now, if you look back at verse 21, we didn't read it, but if you look back here, you'll see the words, Jeremiah says, Therefore, I have hope. And then he launches into verse 22, which, where he makes this proclamation about God's mercy. But you see, this word, therefore, I have hope, is very, we must consider it in its context first and foremost because Jeremiah, as we know, is considered in the Bible as the weeping prophet because he was uh, prophesying during a period of Israel's history which is one of its darkest hours in which God, after sending prophet after prophet, making appeal after appeal, uh, was going to bring a severe discipline and judgment uh, upon the children of Israel and was going to cast them, vomit them out of the land and send them into captivity into Babylon. And this happened during uh, Jeremiah's uh, uh, time and he observed this and uh, even himself was subjected to aspects of it. And in doing so, you have Jeremiah appealing and pleading with the people but observing the severe severity of God's judgment that's coming upon the nation. And so when he writes these, these three, uh, five little chapters that we call the book of Lamentations, he is lamenting the spiritual condition of Israel. He's lamenting the, the physical uh, suffering that they are enduring as a result of their disobedience to God. And, uh, uh, and he is deeply in anguish of soul. You can read those first few chapters and up until the text up until those words therefore there is nothing positive that Jeremiah has spoken. He's spoken about their condition. He's spoken about God's wrath. He's talked about the deep anguish and the, and the suffering that is being manifestly evident amongst them. And it's all being laid out and expressed and to the point where in chapter 3 you have even the prophet speaking personally about his own anguish at having to be in the situation that he's in and observe what he is observing and even suffer to the extent that he must suffer with them. And so it's a dark, dark hour. It's, if there was, in a sense, it's like it's, you think there's no hope here. I mean, it's severe. It's dark. God has brought a severe judgment upon the people. And Jeremiah, in, in outlining this in those various chapters in, in Lamentations, he comes to verse 21 and look at what it says, This I recall to my mind. In light of everything that's going on, Jeremiah is able to reflect upon God, the nature of God, who God is. And in light of all the darkness, he says, Therefore I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. What is it that Jeremiah has recalled? What is it that he says is my hope? He says it is in God's mercy. It relates to the mercies of God. And Jeremiah is making an emphasis of this in our text. He says, Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Thank God for that. Through his mercy, as a result of his mercies, we are not consumed. 
And really, this is the first mention of anything that's positive in the book, in this particular uh, uh, um, uh, book of Lamentations. All of it's been negative up to this point and now there's a positive aspect that's coming forth and it relates to the mercies of God and he says, therefore, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. You see, he says, because his compassions fail not. His compassion fails not. In the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 6, God speaks to Israel again and he says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. And so we, we, we can identify this in the aspect of God's covenant with Israel because we know that many of Israelites did suffer and, were, and died and things, and they were in a sense, there were, there were many that were being consumed. But in the context of God's sovereign purpose, in the context of his covenant with Abraham and in, in light of all that was going on and his purpose for the nation of Israel, we find here that God says as a result of he's, uh, he's a God of mercy and his compassions they fail not. In verse 23, they are new every morning. Think about that. Because that's the truth. We need the mercy of God every morning. Can you say amen? When we wake up, every day is a new day. Every day there are, uh, there are the challenges that life throws at us. Every day there is, uh, we wake up to ourselves. Amen. It's probably the first and foremost thing. And we realise how dependent we are upon the mercies of God and yet the scripture is telling us that his mercy is new every morning. His compassions, they fail not. And it's this confidence, it's this understanding, it's this revelation of God that is, is to be at the fore of our relationship with Christ. Can you say Amen. Because uh, as we serve the Lord, we realise uh, that we're not perfect. We realise that there's many problems. We realise uh, that he could consume us in a moment. We have done things uh, maybe where we have deserved uh, more than what we have uh, received from the Lord and yet we find that we have a merciful, merciful God and that his, his compassion fails not and his mercies are new every morning. And then he says, great is your faithfulness in a, in a proclamation, a declaration of triumph. Great is the faithfulness of God. And really, this, it's this revelation that every child of God must have. It's this revelation that the sinner needs to understand who's condemned in their sin and their guilt and their shame, that there is mercy, there is a God who loves, there is a God who forgives. There's a God who is ready and waiting to show them mercy if they will call upon him. And in verse 24, Jeremiah says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. You see, this is really, uh, uh, for the Christian, we have an inheritance and that inheritance is Christ and, and, uh, uh, and he is our portion. And so therefore, we can have great confidence. Again, Jeremiah says in verse 24, as he makes this proclamation about the mercies of God, he says, therefore again, therefore, in light of who God is, I have hope. Thank God for hope, church. 
because if we ever got to a point in this life where there was no hope, God help us. <laughs> Amen and have mercy on us. Because our hope is not in anyone. We don't look to anyone in this world, amen. We look to him and to Christ and we can have hope. What does the scripture say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so we can have such assurance. We can have a confidence in God that if I come to him, amen, and I ask for mercy, that I can receive that mercy. Actually, we are told in Hebrews 4, verse 16, that if we are, we are to come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and grace to help us in a time of need. You see, grace is God's favour. Mercy is God's help. And we need the mercy of God. We need him to help us in our circumstances because we can't help ourselves. We are so dependent upon him, but we are to come boldly to the throne of grace. And it's that throne of grace that we can come with confidence. In actual fact, Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly. Again, it's in light of the fact of the high priesthood of Christ and all that he is to us and he is our intercessor, amen, and he is our advocate and all that he is, we can have assurance because he's my portion. Exactly in the same sense that Jeremiah is speaking. And so we, as Christians, must have the same confidence that we can say, therefore I have hope, amen? Amen. And we are those that have hope this morning. But I want to look, secondly, and a little bit further with you, at defining mercy. Because when you study mercy in the scripture, and when you look at it in the various Hebrew words and texts, and um, also in the Greek, you begin to get a, a bit of a broader understanding of the, uh, of the definition of what God's mercy is. And I want to look at that with you this morning through some various uh, Hebrew words especially and obviously some Greek ones to illustrate to us so we can see what exactly is the mercy of God. What does it mean that God is merciful? So <clears throat> there's the first Hebrew word, and forgive me for my pronunciation, but it's the word kapare, or kapare, something like that of some sort, but it literally means mercy seat or throne of mercy. That's why Paul says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. You see, there's an, there's an understanding in scripture and this word kapare literally means mercy seat. So when you hear the word mercy seat, what comes to your mind? If you know your Bible and read your Bible, you begin to realise that in the Old Testament, as God set up the tabernacle through Moses and as he set up the various uh, places and, and, um, uh, and instruments and all that was there, in the Holy of Holies, there was the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was a, uh, was a, um, a, a piece, a plate of solid gold. And that was considered the mercy seat. And then you had the two cherubim that had their wings spread across and the high priest. Now, this word mercy seat had its application in scripture. You remember once a year on what? The day of 
atonement. Now, n- notice this. The word kapare in, uh, in Hebrew comes from a root word, kapar, and uh, literally uh, we know it to mean, it, it literally means the day of atonement as well. That's is where the, wor- the word comes for Yom Kippur of the Hebrew day of atonement. And so it has to do with the mercy seat. Now the whole emphasis of the Day of Atonement was uh, the shedding of the blood and the, the high priest taking that blood once a year and he would go into the Holy of Holies once and he, the Bible says he couldn't go without blood. And he would take that blood, he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would pour that blood on the mercy seat. And there, God, the, the glory of God would fill that place uh, and, uh, and, and uh, the sins uh, were being uh, covered uh, by that precious blood and atonement was being made and literally this is, in the Hebrew word, mercy. The mercy seat. Now when we think of that, we understand that there is a correlation in the New Testament and it's found in Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Listen carefully where the scripture says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. That word propitiation means an atoning victim. That atoning victim, amen, is Christ, but the word directly translated, uh, uh, this Greek word directly translated and connected to the Hebrew means mercy seat, propitiation. And so we're getting the idea uh, of God's mercy that is being manifest and is being demonstrated in Christ Jesus and the blood that was shed at Calvary's cross. Amen. The Bible says that those things uh, in Hebrews, it tells us that the, the things of the earthly sanctuary were only a shadow of the reality. That Christ, he went and entered into heaven itself and he took his blood, amen, and on the throne of grace, on the mercy throne, throne. He poured out his blood and he propitiated uh, uh, for the sin of humanity, for your, your sin and my sin and as a result of that he pacified, amen, the wrath of God having paid the full penalty and it gave way for mercy to come to the sinner, to come to you and I. And so what a revelation we identify and we see as we consider this word in relation to God's mercy, the Hebrew word kapare. But then there's another word, and it's the word reckon. Now this is an interesting word because directly translated, the word means, listen, bowels, womb, mercy. So if I just say that, you kind of think, well, how does that make sense? What does that apply to? What does it represent? And so as I studied this through, I be, the best way to show it to you is to show it to you through the scripture. So let me uh, read, and I'm going to read firstly from the King James Version uh, because it gives us a greater understanding of what I'm talking about here as we look at the translation of the word. So in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 26, in the King James Version, Actually, I should have told you that one, Matt. Sorry about that. Probably confused you now. But in the King James Version, let me read it to you. There's the story where Solomon is, uh, is standing there and you have the, these two women and you have a child. 
And you'll, if you're familiar with this story, you'll, they both had two um, newborns and uh, one lady uh, uh, through circumstances ended up uh, killing by, by suffocating and laying on her son and he died. And so she laid claim to the son or took the son of the other and said, well, that was hers as she swapped it over and the dead one was put with that, uh, that particular woman and the live son was given to her and so when they woke in the morning obviously one was crying foul the other one says well that was your son not mine and so they're standing before Solomon and Solomon says well look I don't really know so he says you know what just get a uh, get an axe let's just chop this child in half and give him half each and in doing that the woman whose child it really was responded in a certain way now let me read it to you 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 26 Then spoke the woman whose the living child was and unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son. And she said, O my Lord, give her the living child and and in no wise slay it. So in the King James it translates, for her bowels yearned. This is the word mercy. A mother's love for her child that is moved so deeply she could not bear the thought, obviously, of having her child killed and cut in half, that she said, let the other woman have it. And then Solomon said, give the child to her, it's her son. But see, what was manifesting here was her have to bowels move. It talks about an internal uh, uh, grief, an internal uh, movement uh, of the heart and to demonstrate and show mercy. That's why in the King James of the, same, of the same scripture, it says the woman whose son was living spoke to the king for she yearned with compassion for her son. So see how King James and the new King James are distinctly different but they're capturing the essence of what the, the Hebrew word is saying. Now when you think of that, we're getting a picture of God's love for us that is so deep, that is so strong and that he is in the same manner as this woman was for her son, like a woman is for her son, demonstrating the same level of mercy towards you and I. And it's found in the Gospels itself. And you may not have picked up on this, unless you're a Greek, of course. (laughs) But uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, speaking about Jesus, the Bible says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. That word moved in the Greek comes from the same Hebrew word that we're considering and it means to have the bowels yearn. So deep was Jesus when he saw them like sheep being scattered without a shepherd. He saw their suffering, he saw their plight and he could not turn his face away and he was moved the bowels yearned he was moved in such a depth that he was moved with compassion for them because and his intent was to show them mercy amen so thank god for such a god of mercy amen because i tell you what so it is for us you know what we were lost we were in darkness we were like, like, like uh, God says in Ezekiel about the children of Israel, we were wallowing in our own blood. 
And God saw us, amen. And he was moved with compassion when he should have consumed us because we were filthy, dirty, rotten sinners. Having sinned against God, he could have just wiped us and snuffed us out in a moment, but yet he looked upon us and he was moved with compassion. I look at that and I see myself as an 18-year-old and I tell you, I look at my sin and I deserved hell. I deserved God's condemnation. Yes, sin had destroyed me. I was a broken man. But I tell you, God, that's why the scripture says, mercy triumphs over judgment. And God was moved with compassion for my plight and he heard my cry and he saw my brokenheartedness. And how, this is how it works as it applies to you and I. And to think that God would, uh, would, would be moved with such compassion towards you and I, to demonstrate such mercy to you and I. And he has through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Then there's a third Hebrew word for mercy. And this is the word check it. Oh, anyway, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but... The word literally means loving kindness, steadfast love, faithfulness, goodness, devotion. And the inherent meaning that's being captured here is concerns the steadfastness of God's love. You know, we talk about and we hear the phrase that God is a, a covenant-keeping God. And so when we talk about God's mercy, we're talking about the strength of character that relates to who God is. We're talking about, amen, we can be like, we can, you know, be up and down and we demonstrate so many different characteristics in our nature, but God is constant. He is steadfast. And his, his loving kindness speaks of that steadfast towards us. And uh, this is the, the, the meaning of this word mercy. Hallelujah. That's why Jeremiah can say his compassions fail not. Because he understands something about the nature and character of God. Therefore I have hope, he says. And so I found, I'll read this to you because I found this as it tried to define uh, in uh, this, this particular word. It says, uh, this word loving kindness, check it. The word refers primarily to mutual and reciprocal rights and obligations between the parties of a relationship, especially in this context, Yahweh and Israel, but we can apply that to Christ and the church. But check it is not only a matter of obligation, it is also of generosity. It's not only a matter of loyalty, but also of mercy. The weaker party seeks the protection and blessing of the protector, but he may not lay absolute claim to it. The stronger party remains committed to his promise, but retains his freedom, especially with regard to the manner in which he will implement those promises. Check it implies personal involvement and commitment in a relationship beyond the rule of law. Now thank God for that because if it came down to the rule of law we'd all be snuffed out, amen? But you see, what we're getting here is the loving kindness, the steadfastness of God's mercy supersedes anything that we are and, uh, and, uh, and in light of what we do. 
and that we can access, that we can uh, come to, we can, amen, have hope, we can look to him and in doing so, amen, in light of his covenant and commitment and his love for you and I, he will show us mercy. How many times, not only as a sinner has I dependent upon his mercy, but even in throughout the Christian life, how many times I've needed God's mercy. How many times I have, no doubt you have, that we have done things, we have reached a point where we, we, we know we have wronged, we have sinned uh, and we have not ordered our conduct as we should have uh, and yet uh, we, uh, we, we, just, we just feel so unworthy and yet the scripture says uh, that mercy is available to us. If we confess our sin and forsake it, we shall have mercy. Proverbs. Okay? That mercy, by the way, is conditional. In, in, in the sense that we, as, if we want to tap into it and harness it, then the scripture talks about if we're making that level of confession and appropriating, amen, his mercy. But thank God that he's a merciful God. And that's what this particular word is telling us, his steadfast love, his faithfulness. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So let's look briefly at the word mercy in the Greek. Again, there's, well, there's three fundamental words and I won't, I won't go into great depth here but I'll, one touches on what we've already considered. But the, the first Greek word, elios, uh, is a, it talks about an outward manifestation of pity. But what it also represents is the word carries with it the meaning that it assumes the need of the, uh, of the person on part of him who receives it and provides the resources adequate to meet that need. So in other words, uh, God saw that we were sinners and we, co- we couldn't save ourselves. So God had mercy on us. Amen. Christ who became the propitiation for our sins. And so God in his mercy acted and he provided for us what we could not provide for ourselves. That's mercy. He helped us. He did for us what we can't do for ourselves. He showed us mercy. And so uh, he, the Bible talks about God is rich in mercy and in Ephesians 2 verse 4 it says that he has provided salvation for us because of his mercy. And then there's another Greek word which again talks about, uh, it's rooted more in pity and compassion and then there's an, the other Greek word which is splankonon. Anyways, you know Greek's what I'm talking about and it means the affections of the heart and it refers to that which I've spoken to before in terms of the bowels yearning. It's, it's, a, it's a representative of the Hebrew word um, uh, reckon that we have considered earlier. But see, we have a God of mercy. Therefore, I have hope. Do you have that hope this morning? Do you have that faith? Because, you know, without faith it is impossible to please God. And those that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so you have to appropriate this mercy in the, in the context of coming to, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come and ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Amen. You see, this is the whole emphasis. 
And our faith is rests upon who God is and the mercy of God. And you read the scriptures and you see so often those that had that similar confidence. You can read, obviously, as we have in relation to Jeremiah, but you can read the Psalms and read about David. If there's anyone that spoke about the mercy of God, read the Psalms. David is referencing to it over and over and over. And the overarching theme to Israel and to David and to all of his people is his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. So we have this confidence. Even in the midst of the trials and tribulations of life. You know, because we've considered this text, I want to read further with you. I want to go back to Lamentations 3. Because... Jeremiah talks about God's mercy. He talks about the hope that he has. But I want to just bring into perspective. So we've looked at the Hebrew word where God is faithful, he's steadfast in his love. But the Bible teaches us that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Hebrews chapter 12 gives us this understanding and so that if God is not to discipline us then we are illegitimate, we're not his children. The whole fact that we are in relationship with God, the Bible says that when necessary and required he will chasten us because of our disobedience and various issues that may be at work in our lives. And this is what's happening to Israel here in in the Old Testament. But look at what Jeremiah has to say and I just want to draw your attention to a couple of things because he says in verse 25 of chapter 3 The Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him it is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord Amen This is necessary because uh, we can get restless, we can uh, uh, not be patient, we, cannot, uh, we can be hasty in various things and yet the Bible says wait and the soul that seeks him and should hope quietly in the Lord, that person shall see the salvation of God. Look at verse 27, for it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Now look at what it says, let him sit alone and keep silent. I've been in this place. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. Let let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach. It's talking about a humility. You know when you get to a point you know you've wronged God and you know that you deserve uh, uh, his his, uh, uh, chastisement. You know that you've failed him and you think, you know what... Whatever, whatever it is that people want to say, do, so let it be. I'll bear any reproach that comes my way. I'm not going to seek to defend myself. But look at Jeremiah's words, verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever, though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercy. For he does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. And so what Jeremiah is saying here is that God, uh, uh, he, he, 
He will not cast off forever, though he causes grief. He will show us compassion, because he's a, uh, according to the multitude of his mercies, because he's a father of mercy. And if we will wait, if we will seek, if we will draw near to him, if we will just bear the reproach that we sometimes must bear, if we will do that patiently and wait before the Lord, then I tell you, amen, God will come through. God will not let you down, amen. He will extend his mercy. This is what Jeremiah is saying. God doesn't afflict willingly. God does, takes no pleasure in seeing his people suffer. He sees, no, you know, like a, any parent uh, who would have to bring discipline to their child, there's no pleasure. You don't get off on it. it doesn't bring, it's, it's, uh, this is what the scripture is talking about. God, he doesn't afflict willingly. He doesn't do it from his heart. He, because, uh, but he uh, doesn't grieve us for, for that purpose. But his purpose is, uh, amen, to humble us under the mighty hand of God. Because what does James say? God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And it's that grace, that's the mercy of God, that comes to the humble. And when we are humble before God, when we come to a place where we just uh, uh, are surrendered at, the, at his feet, when we have yielded and we have repented, this I know, amen, the mercy of God is coming. Because God promises it. Because it's who God is. And I tell you, when the mercy of God comes to us, it, it, it fills our heart with such peace and such joy that his forgiveness and the, of his, and concerning his love. God speaks to Israel in Jeremiah chapter 3 about their backsliding. And he says, and this is obviously God's still appe- appealing to them at this point. And he says, return backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity. He's pleading with them. I want to show you mercy. Just acknowledge your iniquity. Confess your sin. And in confession, I will cleanse you and I will wash you and I will purify you and I will impute unto you. Amen the righteousness of God. You see, we never move beyond the need for mercy as God's people. And thank God they are new every morning, church. God is our help. Our confidence this morning is is in a covenant-keeping God who is faithful, who is merciful, and we have that confidence. You know, Habakkuk, again, he was the nation in disobedience, and yet what does Habakkuk say? In light of, he questions God on two occasions and he talks about the state and condition of Israel, the judgment of God that is already being manifest amongst the nation. And what, is, what does he say? Habakkuk says, In wrath, remember mercy. Mercy. Call upon God for his mercy and you will experience his mercy. There used to be a song I used to listen to as I concluded. When I was a young Christian, I listened to a lot of music and I used to listen to Newsboys when they were first, their first album they ever released, some 25 years ago. Yep. <laughs> I had some good songs there. And 
they sang a song and their words went like this. When we don't get what we deserve, it's a real good thing. When we get what we don't deserve, it's a real good thing. What's that real good thing? It's mercy. We don't deserve it, but we get it. We get it, but we don't deserve it. Praise the Lord. And so let us reflect upon his mercy. And as I conclude, I want to just uh, read to you two particular scriptures from the psalm. Psalm 33, verse 18. David says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. Therefore I have hope, says the prophet. Hope. Our hope is that he's merciful. Psalm 52, verse 8. But I, David says, I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning that you are a merciful God and that we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy in a time of need. And we have needs, Lord. Even now, there are those that have needs, God. If only, God, we would come to you boldly. We would hold fast the confession of our faith. We would not draw back. We would not withdraw, my God and cower, but we would come with a confidence and with an assurance Lay hold of the mercy that is ours in Christ and God pour it out upon your people. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your mercy this morning. Bless, I pray, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.